Welcome to Beneath the Rim, covering everything that's happening in and around the NBA. You're about to hear one of our layup episodes. Quick hits of information to keep you up to date on what's happening, but short enough to squeeze in during your morning drive. Check back on Sundays for the full court episode, where host Kevin Kloss chats with the brightest minds covering the league. Now time for the show. Welcome to Beneath the Rim. Happy to be a part of the Roto Heat family of podcasts. I'm your host, Kevin Kloss, and we're back today continuing our team review where we go through and take a look at all 30 teams in the NBA and just kind of take stock of pieces they've added, some players they had to let go, and just kind of how we see the future of each team in the NBA heading into the 2019-20 season. Uh, before we get started, just want a quick apology to everybody. You know, last week we were a little light on the content just in terms of full court episodes and articles at rotoheat.com. As I mentioned briefly on a previous show, my wife was out of town all of last week, and the three-year-old and the one-year-old both decided to run fevers and get sick. So my time was needed elsewhere. But we're back today and this week, and today specifically we are going to be talking about the Charlotte Hornets and what the future holds for their team with some pieces who've been added, some pieces they had to let go. And a fact that might get by a lot of NBA fans is the Charlotte Hornets have been in the playoffs as recently as the 2016-2017 season. I remember that. It was a series against the Heat. Dwayne Wade still had something left in the tank, and the Heat ended up beating the Hornets, but the Hornets played seven games in that series. Took them to seven games, and the Heat were able to win that series, but... It did go seven, and that's a fact that sort of might slip by a lot of people because, you know, the Knicks have had not a lot of success recently. I think people think of the Knicks as being one of the dog franchises right now in the NBA. The Phoenix Suns, not a good team. They're a team that just has struggled to put winning basketball on the floor. And before last year, really, the Sacramento Kings were just looked at as one of the more poorly run franchises in the league. But last year, really made a push, ended up falling short of that eighth seed, but were able to really show that there's some future in Sacramento. So you could make the case that Charlotte has outperformed all three of those franchises because, like we said, they've been in the playoffs recently. But for my money, Charlotte is one of the worst teams in the NBA, and things are not necessarily going to be any better this season. Uh, so let's just start looking at who were they starting last year. They're starting Kemba Walker. We know what a great scoring point guard he has been. He's not there anymore. Charlotte didn't show him enough money to keep him around. Instead, Kemba Walker goes to Boston. At shooting guard, they had Jeremy Lamb. Now, they also let Jeremy Lamb walk. Jeremy Lamb walks for three years, $31.5 million as he signs with the Pacers. Nicholas Batum was their small forward last year, will continue to be their small forward moving forward. He's 30 years old, and he's going to be making $25 million this season, which may sound like he's overpaid until you see that the following year, when he'll be 31, he has a player option to get paid $27 million. There is no way that Nick Batum is not taking the $27 million. He was overpaid when the contract started, He's continually been injured and underproduced. He'll be overpaid this year, and he'll be overpaid next year as well. At power forward, they had Marvin Williams, who 
will be heading into the end of his contract. Marvin Williams is one of those guys that when you look up and see he's almost 33, I don't know where the time went. I remember when Marvin Williams came out of North Carolina, he was looked at as this power forward, small forward, who should be able to score consistently at this next level. Just averaged 10 points a game last season with 5.4 rebounds, less than two assists. He's never really put it together. And then at center for Charlotte last season, we had Cody Zeller, 10.6.8 rebounds. Cody Zeller, he's a starter for the Hornets. He's probably a backup center on virtually any other team in the league. But as I said before, the Hornets are not a good team. When you are not a good team, you get Cody Zeller as your starting center. So let's take that jump forward. Let's look at who are their starting five projected for this coming year. Well, at point guard, there's that change because, as we said, they let Kemba Walker go. They brought in Terry Rozier. Three years, $56 million. That includes $19.8 million this coming year. We've been over the Terry Rozier saga a little bit. He played really well when Kyrie Irving was out two seasons ago. When Kyrie Irving was back and Gordon Hayward was back, and Rozier kind of had to work his way into a system with a number of players who are probably more talented than he was, he struggled. He struggled performing. He struggled finding his place within the team. I think maybe he did just need a new change of scenery, be able to go to a different team and really make his mark on a team where he wasn't filling in for somebody, wasn't always looking over his shoulder. But three years, $56 million dollars. Charlotte, even if you're convinced that he's the guy who's going to be a, a solid point guard for you, this is not a team that can can really afford to be paying $56 million over three years to Terry Rozier, not when they're, when they're paying Nick Batum $25 and $27 million each of the next two years, respectively. It's just not a move you can make. Terry Rozier has to be all-star level point guard for this to even begin to be an okay move, so... I get you didn't want to go with Devontae Graham as the point guard in Charlotte, but Terry Rozier, a massive overpay for a guy we've never seen have to do this job for a consistent stretch of time. Now we go to shooting guard and we see Malik Monk. I really liked Malik Monk when he came out of college. He was a guy who I thought could have ended up with the Knicks, could have ended up with Orlando, could have ended up with a number of Eastern Conference teams who needed a shooting guard who can light it up. He has not lit it up so far. I think Malik Monk has the opportunity to become a real good scoring guard in this league, but he just really hasn't done it quite yet. He hasn't shown that he can put it together and be that consistent scoring shooting guard out of Kentucky. Maybe he's able to take on a little bit more shooting with Kemba Walker out of the picture, but he's really the only shooting guard of prominence on this team right now. Now, if we go to small forward, it's Nick Batum. Nick Batum is going to be that starting small forward. Nick Batum not only is overpaid, he's also injury-ridden. So he's going to miss a lot of time. Every year I feel like he misses close to a dozen games just on some wear and tear and fatigue. He's not able to stay on the court. You know, they've got Cody Martin, a rookie, who maybe they could they could have jump in there a little bit. They've also got Dwayne Bacon, who won't be talked about the way we hear Miles Bridges or Terry Rozier or Malik Monk mentioned. But Dwayne Bacon might actually be the best option for Charlotte at the small forward position. I like Dwayne Bacon. Not a sexy name, but he's a guy that on this Charlotte team, he could contribute. 
Now swinging over to power forward, Miles Bridges is actually one of the guys on this team that I'm excited for. Miles Bridges didn't have a great rookie campaign, but he was showing up in Summer League. He was playing really well. I think he gets the starting job at the four, and I think he's able to put together a good stretch. And power forward is actually the position. I look at the Charlotte team, and I say, this is their best position. They've got Miles Bridges. They've got Marvin Williams, where even if Marvin Williams isn't a showstopper of a player, He's good enough that you can throw him out on the floor, whether it's a spot start or whether he's giving you heavy bench minutes or whether he's just really just chewing up extra minutes throughout the course of a game. Marvin Williams is the kind of guy you can feel okay about having on the floor. And then they also were able to get out of this year's draft P.J. Washington, who I actually really like out of Kentucky. This isn't an amazing Kentucky class, even with what we've seen from Tyler Hero. This isn't one of those Kentucky classes where we're just wowed and that the fourth guy out of Kentucky could be an all-star level kind of player. But for a young power forward on Charlotte, I think this team is going to be out of the race early enough that they're going to start to throw some minutes to P.J. Washington. Maybe they try to put Bridges at the three and play Washington at the four once things get out of hand, and they're just looking to build some continuity and get their young guys a little bit more run together. And then at the center, they've got Cody Zeller, they've got Bismack Biombo, and Willie Hernan Gomez. No one that you should be overly excited about. Hernan Gomez is a guy who I think could maybe surprise some people and take a step forward, but Cody Zeller, we know who he is. He's just a center who shouldn't be a starting center if you think you can compete for a playoff spot. Bismack Biombo, they're just waiting for that contract to get eaten up. I think he's making something like 15 or $17 million dollars over the next couple of years each season. So nothing to really look at at center. But, you know, Willie Hernan Gomez could be a guy who could maybe surprise us if if he's able to take a step forward and do some things on Charlotte. Now, I said before that I thought Charlotte was just a bad franchise. And I'm not the only one who holds this following take. But part of that is because they have just not done well in the draft. The draft is one of those places where if you're a struggling team, you have to be able to walk away with a couple of guys that you know can play who can sort of be those cornerstones for your franchise. So we mentioned the Suns before. Even if you don't like Phoenix and you don't think what they've done has been great, there's no denying that Phoenix has Booker and they were also able to add the big man from Arizona, Aiton, a year ago. And with those two guys, even if you don't think that they're going to be perennial all-stars, those guys are effective enough you can put them out there for 82 games a year, and they'll win you some games. But when we go back and look at who Charlotte has drafted, this is what the draft report card, if you will, looks like. 2018, they actually drafted Shea Gilgis-Alexander, traded to the Clippers. 2017, Malik Monk, as we said before, disappointing. 2015, Frank Kaminsky. 2014, Shabazz Napier, traded to Miami. 2014, Noah Vonley. 2013, Cody Zeller. 2012, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. And finally, if we go back all the way to 2011, they drafted Kemba Walker with the ninth overall pick. And so you have to go back to 2011 to find a pick that they made, and that's just the first round draft picks for Charlotte. You have to go all the way back to 2011 to find a pick that Charlotte made that you feel happy about. If you're a team that's struggling, and the fact that they just signed Terry Rozier three years for $56 million, they're not smart with their money, and they're not drafting well. It's hard to even be competitive. 
if that's the case. Let's go back to the Suns one last time. I don't think Phoenix is someone who is going to contend for a playoff spot this year. But in my head, in the fantasy world that is NBA projections, I can come up with a scenario where this Phoenix team has enough guys who can play with Josh Jackson, with Devin Booker, with Aiton. They've got enough guys on the roster where you could maybe talk yourself into, hey, they're going to defend as a team and they're going to play fast and they're going to catch the right team on the wrong night and they're going to be able to sneak out 40 wins. I think that's high. I don't think there's any way Phoenix gets to 40 wins. But when you look at the pieces on that roster, you can at least talk yourself into something that resembles success for the Phoenix Suns. You can even do it to an extent with the New York Knicks if Knox can take a step forward, if R.J. Barrett is really good, if Mitchell is the kind of rim-running, rim-protecting five that they expect him to be, if Dennis Smith Jr. can just channel some of that athleticism, if they move maybe some of those Maverick picks and pull in another close-to-all-star caliber player, you could see how the Knicks maybe could at least be competitive. I can't even begin to think of the world in which Charlotte's competitive. Terry Rozier is not a guy who I think is going to go off enough to just be able to win you games. Malik Monk, as much as I like him, hasn't shown the ability to do that. Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, those are good power forwards. I think they're solid players, but they're not the kind of players that are going to win you games. Not going to win you enough games in this league. And it's a shame they can't be better because if you look at that division they're in, Orlando won that division last year. There's no reason Orlando can't be beaten. No, no reason why Orlando won't slip this year. Miami, Miami's a shell, okay? People like to talk about Miami like they should, for any reason, be a competitor in the Eastern Conference just because they add Jimmy Butler to that team. Miami didn't even make the playoffs last year. And then there's Washington. We're just waiting for Bradley Beal to get dealt. So it's such a shame that Charlotte can't be better because that division is weak and they could really make a move. But if there's anything that we can count on going into 2019-2020 for the NBA forecast, it's the Charlotte Hornets are not going to be good. Sorry, Charlotte fans. You seem like wonderful people. I'm truly sorry for this. And that's going to do it for this morning's episode of Beneath the Rim, talking about the Charlotte Hornets. If you like what you heard, you can follow me on Twitter at RotoHeatKevin, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another team review. I'm Kevin Kloss. Thanks for listening. Don't miss a moment of the action. Subscribe to Beneath the Rim for automatic delivery of new episodes in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.